0: Hi, this is Bill Petricelli. I'm one of the one of the participants in this podcast. I'm um, the author of Through the Bookstore Window, a recent novel published by Rare Bird. Uh, I'm also uh, one of the co-owners of Book Passage, a bookstore in Northern California. This is my second venture into writing fiction. I've written a couple of nonfiction books before this, and very excited about writing and about the book business in general. I'm also happy to be here uh, sharing the uh, podcast with another author who's going to introduce himself now.
1: Hey, this is Adrian Tazaniga. I'm the author of Collision Theory, uh, also published with Rare Birds, my debut novel. Also the creator of Literary Deathmatch, which is a traveling show I take uh, on the road. We feature authors reading their own work and celebrities judging them. and. It's hilarious. And beyond that, uh, yeah, super thrilled to be here and super excited to talk to you, Bill. Bill, I'm going to kick us off with a question. Sure. I I feel like I introduced myself okay. I'm going to give myself a C plus on the intro. But this question, I'm I'm excited to talk about your book in that uh, it opens in Bosnia, a place I've been. And uh, I just wondered if you could talk about like, what's your relationship to Bosnia? and Why was that the, the well, place? Yeah,
0: my, you know, my relationship to Bosnia is not—it's uh, not at all intimate. But my relationship to uh, with the ravages of war and the impact of war and violence on people later in their life is what sparked this. The, I wanted to set a book during this time frame, and the Bosnian War had a couple of features to it that uh, was appealing <laughs> and appealing. Yeah. I mean, wars are never appealing, but right. it was—it was recent and it was brutal. And the effects of it uh, probably have lingered on with people since then. The opening scene of it, as you probably recall, the first 20 pages or so occur in a town that's under siege by, by a militia. Um, it could have been any, either side of the of the war. It could be any any kind of independent uh, military action that, that really impacted on people in a village. But it quickly moves from there to the to the lives of the people later on in life. Um so I guess that's a long way around of saying that the, the Bosnian war was the kind of precipitate of the story, but it's not a story set in Bosnia. Right,
1: right, yeah, yeah. I I'd gone there and uh when I was in Sarajevo, I walked around and I was just amazed by the amount of bullet holes that were still you know, <laughs> the presence of the war.
0: Yeah, that much I knew. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And just the the amount of people that you would see on the street and, and just sort of walking with limps and you know, different people had had things that were very clearly from the war, and it was it was quite it was a
0: vicious war, and, and the full yeah. impact of it was never really fully appreciated in the United States. But uh, you know, the the book also talks about the one of the other main characters is still carrying around the psychological wound of the Vietnam War. So right. uh, it's uh, kind of the part of the the gist of the book is to you know to contrast uh, and uh, show the continuity of these kinds of. Uh, war wounds that affect people over many generations
1: yeah yeah, yeah. That's cool. well listen and you know
0: i i love your book i mean the, the comedy in your book is just laugh out loud hilarious at some points uh and that's really hard to do writing comedy is something that uh i've never really tried to do and i'd be almost afraid to do it but you've got a good touch
1: Thanks. I, yeah, it's funny because like, to me, when I was writing it, the very first draft, it took me 13 years to get through that book, uh, to get it to the yeah, final. That,
0: that's, that's, about, that's
1: about right. A good yeah. book takes a long time. God, who knew? Um, but yeah, it's interesting. That first draft was like very funny and, and lively. And then I started editing it all out <laughs> and making it a little more serious. But um, it, it is funny that like I did a reading um, of a chapter where he's doing a pitch meeting with some people in LA cuz he pitches a movie about Elvis's Graceland being kidnapped by aliens and uh, during the pitch he just gets totally railroaded by these execs and and I read that out loud and people were laughing through it and I was like oh yeah this is a funny book.
0: That's the part that hit me. I mean yeah, yeah. these meetings with the, with the with the movie execs it's just uh it's just a very, really deft touch to it. It's really, yeah. uh, it it shows that you put a lot of work into it. I, Thanks. I'm uh, yeah, it's, very impressed. Uh, yeah, it's- Is <laughs> uh, Writing writing comedy is really hard. Uh, and I think it's harder than writing almost anything. Uh, it looks easy and it comes off, you know, <laughs> yeah. lighthearted, but a lot of work goes into
1: it. I have this philosophy about writing humor, which is uh, basically like the farther you get someone up a hill, you create a cliff. So when it gets serious and sad, the fall is that much further so that's my strategy for ever writing anything that's light or has levity is to like okay. it's really like a trick and a manipulation to get people to, to when it when the heartbreak comes it's like what, oh, it's man, like
0: that's... like like the first scene of your book
1: yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah and I, even the first scene and i mean that the first scene is about a man who goes up to a rooftop and he sees a woman who's about to jump and kill herself and he invites her to dinner and tries to to convince her to travel the world
0: it was a beautiful scene really thanks yeah
1: have have you read much um, uh mark strand poetry no no yeah he uh he'd written a short story called space that appeared in a book called flash fiction Uh
0: uh-huh uh-huh
1: and i had effectively stolen that story and made it my first chapter but I just felt his was much more skewed towards misogyny and it, it, it's a really interesting story but the same thing a guy goes up he sees one who's about to jump and then uh and I actually met him uh, a year before he passed and I had told him I was like hey I wrote this book and I stole your story to you know it's different but it's definitely without you I wouldn't have found it and he's like Oh, okay. well, as long as it's better than mine was, and I was like, okay, we'll, <laughs> we'll find out.
0: <laughs> uh, Writers are usually pretty good about that sort of thing. If somebody yeah, yeah. Build on, take on, it's it's really a compliment that takes right. uh, a theme that they've developed and build on it. yeah, yeah and I uh, you know well, you, you're, you, that's your your theory of writing fiction. My theory of writing fiction is similar to the I guess it's similar in many ways, but what I've learned in in writing, because I've written a couple of nonfiction books beforehand, right. and it's so easy for nonfiction writers, and I see this all the time. You know, they write a book on a subject, and then they think, "Oh, I think I'll write a novel." So they just sort of take the same arguments they've been making all these years in their nonfiction books, and they add a few place names and a few you know character names, and figure they can kind of write in the same style, and and it just doesn't work that way. You've got to completely push everything else out of your head and touch a different part of your of your psyche when you're when you're writing fiction as a matter of fact i don't think i tell people that the very first story they probably ever heard as a kid started once upon a time right and it it was sort of a uh, um omniscient viewpoint where the you know the scene is set and the character kind of wanders in and i just i think that's just too hard to do i think you have to have a uh, if you're a, a contemporary writer, you need to start quickly and develop a character and let the character tell a story. I yeah, just yeah. don't think I don't think anybody's going to listen to me telling a story, but if right. I create a good enough character, they might listen to that character tell a story. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm trying to do. I, and I, I see that in your book
1: too. Yeah, I'm a big. Uh, I have like I. I write with narrative speed, and that's all because I'm afraid to bore someone. So humor always lets you. It gives you a little more time on the clock for people to keep advancing. And then there's that idea of just hustling because you want people to to feel that exhilaration to get into the book. And then and then I'm always very tricky about how I like slam the brake pedal at certain times. Just you know, it's kinda of fun for me. But what you so you had a pretty significant uh, distance between your your last nonfiction book and your first fiction book. Oh so yeah. What, what was that all about? <laughs> I mean I understand. It took yeah, me just, thirteen years. So
0: I didn't have time to write. I hadn't right. been inspired to write anything. And it finally uh yeah. I wrote a book back in the god, in the late nineties, uh, about protecting your right of privacy, then a book about ten years later about uh uh sexual harassment in the workplace uh then I did, you know I decided maybe use God, 10 15 years after that all of a sudden had the idea for a work of fiction and once I got started writing fiction I really uh got hooked on it I really kind of like to do that but you know I have a have a business to run too so right. yeah, people yeah. say well people always ask you, yeah, what's your writing habit? And I, uh, cause they said, do you get up at seven in the morning and start writing all the way through? And I said, are you kidding me? Yeah. I write when I have a chance. I, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll go a week and I can't look at something because I got some other business thing I have to do. But when I, and if I'm going to write, I have to spend some time getting back, getting the characters back in my head. I can't just sit down and write, you know, just turn on a dime and start writing. I have to, just think about what it's like to be inside that character to, to start writing again. And Sometimes that takes a little lead time.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I'm always, that's what I pitch to anyone now that people are asking me about writing. I'm just like, be patient. It's like when the, when the right story comes, it's going to come and it, you right. can't deny it at that point. I just, I wondered about, I mean, book passage, that's the business, because you mentioned that, you know, being an interrupting force. But I wonder, like, what is it? What is having a bookstore give you in terms of a writer? Like, is it kind of like you go in whenever you want? You just pull off some books off the shelf and borrow (laughs) a bit or like,
0: well, I do do that. Well, yeah. in this case, it gave me a, it, gave, it gave me the starting of a plot because you know, yeah, yeah. the bookstore window occurs, mostly occurs in a bookstore but right. in San Francisco. But uh, no, aside from that, uh, what it gives you is the opportunity to see a lot of writers. We have right. a lot of events in our store. It's we kind yeah. of that's kind of what we do. Uh, and over the years we've had writing conferences and author events where I get a chance to listen to writers listen to them talk to the to the readers the customers and get an idea of how they work and how they think and what their you know what their approach is Uh, so it's mostly talking to talking to writers and people taking writing classes and 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 kind of getting, get, getting getting into their head. But there is a certain element of being able to walk to the store, pull a book off the shelf, <laughs> go right. off and read it. Of course, I drive yeah, the yeah. staff crazy because I haven't checked it out and gone through the proper <laughs> computer system to get the book. But, you know, if I, if I want to read it, I just grab it and
1: read it. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because for me, uh, Literary Deathmatch, and I've done that for, I think, 12 years, maybe 13. I know, no, 12. Um, and uh, just the like hearing people read great stories, you know, at the events and being able to be backstage and just pick people's brains is, it's quite an an astonishing resource. And just to, to be able to like email writers and
0: yeah. How did you get started doing that? I tell you, you know, I've i heard about it. You were in San Francisco not too long ago, but I had, was yeah. out of town. I didn't get a get a chance to go, and I was dying to see how the, how this worked. Uh, I know some yeah. of our staff went to the went to the to the, uh, to, the to the meeting. Um, it's, it's well. First of all, where'd you get the concept, and secondly, how do you get the the organizational structure to keep it going?
1: Uh, organizational structure is not my strong suit. I'm always like, yeah, I'll just keep doing it. And then eventually, yeah, <laughs> we're sort of hitting a wall on that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I should probably try to get funding for this. This is, this is a lot of work. but
0: You must have a lot of frequent flyer points because you're constantly oh, man. going from town yeah. town.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting. I'm always like, when am I going to use them? I'll use them. And then the flight is never available. So I keep accruing them and hardly ever using them. So <laughs> I guess eventually, you know, it'll come to pass. But yeah, I was in I was living in New York in 2006. And there were sort of two major things that I had been noticing, because I went to a lot of readings, I was very invested, I wanted to be a writer. And, and I noticed that uh, the first thing was that I would go to readings, and people would have a time limit. And they would, like, the people who hit it or went below it, everybody loved and the people who were like, 10 minutes, I'll do 25. You just wanted to murder them. So I was like, how, like, that's great, okay, let's set a time limit in an event, perfect, and generally hold to it. And then the second thing that happened, I was going to a, to an event and there was this one event where they were trying to have a, a writer then a comedian and then a writer then a comedian. Totally understand, like, everybody's trying to make people excited and get people. Right. But the first reader was great, and then the comedian was great, and then the reader after that, I think he he read a piece about his his sister who had passed, and just tonally, I was like, oh, my God, that is, that is not how this should go. Like, it, it breaks the show. Yeah. So for us, we had, we had met and we decided, like, let's make it so that the judges are the comedy. So you can have a comedy reader, of course, but, like, the judges are the comedy. So there's always, you know, it's in context. If there's going to be a joke, it's in context of the work and it relates to the work. So... That was sort of how it happened and then we didn't want anybody to feel bad we didn't want anybody to walk away feeling like they were losers so that's how we developed the finale the finale which is a game you know we'll do literary spelling bees where we just have uh, the authors the finalists and you know spell more and more complicated author names or we'll do pin the mustache on hemingway just sort of ridiculous things <laughs> so that people are just as relieved not to have made the finals as they are to have made the finals. so it's like you know, it's, it, it just was sort of fun. And then, and for my role in it, you know, the first six or seven years, I just sort of went up, cracked some jokes and then got off because I'm the last of eight kids and I like attention. But uh, but then I moved to LA um, seven years ago. And that was when I started going to shows and being like, oh man, I have to be that good. <laughs> like these people are amazing. So then I started writing stand up around, you know, authors and things like that. And just researching authors more and more. And yeah, just finding out facts and using them. And it's it's been great. We've done it in over 60, I think 63 cities now. around Really? The world. Yeah, pretty crazy. I've done That's it in awesome. Norwegian. I, I didn't know what they were reading, <laughs> but it was fun to introduce them.
0: Oh, I didn't know you did it outside the United States.
1: Yeah, actually, Jeffrey Eugenides judged intangibles once in Finland, in Helsinki, an event where everybody spoke Finnish except he and I, and uh, so he had to judge, you know, <laughs> God knows what. He, it was he was amazing, but um, it was really funny to have kind of those interactions happen, and and yeah, we've we've had I I think we've had seven Pulitzer Prize winners do it, so I I'm like I'm feeling good.
0: So yeah, it's pretty cool. Well, yeah, I. Uh that's that's great I mean I, I I know how much fun it is to be around other authors. we you know we're uh, constantly generating author events at the at the bookstore and, yeah uh, more than we can keep track of sometimes uh, and but it's you know they kind of come to us and each one is kind of giving their own spiel but yeah. to have them all in this kind of a context uh, would be I, I mean I can just see the god I, most of the authors I know are, are are you know very funny, personable people, and they could right. probably uh, really get into it under yeah. the right circumstances. It's pretty well. Let me. What it does is it gives you a nice network of people to uh, to market your own work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got the blurbs
1: for my book because I was just like, okay, these people have been nice enough to do the show, and they think that I'm, you know, working for the literary man. <laughs> like I'm doing the right thing. I was like, maybe I can ask him. And yeah, I mean, like Tom Parada and Sarban and Casa, just people I got to know through the show, which was really awesome that they were willing to read the book. And I was just like, "Wow, people are reading it."
0: I wonder when when are you coming back to San
1: Francisco? October seventeenth. Tattoo it on your arm. That's the day. Yeah, I will.
0: Please, please, uh, please uh, uh, keep me informed on that because I will uh, not only try to go, but uh, try to be uh, try to tell other people as well. I think it's great. Um, Yeah, Yeah, for
1: sure. Well, is there an author that you with book passage that you brought in that you were like ah, that's my that's the white whale i gotta get somebody in there like have you used it to just try to meet just amazing writers or like mostly what we do um,
0: most of the time the people that come to the store are on author tour and the publishers are either sending them around the country or they live in the bay area right. and they've done events with us before and we book them we have an events department and Spends night and day just calling up authors and publishers and publicists and all that, trying to book people in the store. Um, and uh, but more and more, we're getting to the point where we have events outside the store as well. Right. Um, and it's uh, and it really kind of depends upon the crowd that an author might draw. Um, and sometimes we get, you know, sometimes somebody comes in. There's only a handful of people there. We're kind of feel terrible for them. Other times, uh, other times we um, we strike it. We strike it, uh, you know, lucky. We uh, all of us. We had booked uh, James Comey for an event, and then oh, well. uh, then Donald Trump started insulting him, and uh, pretty soon it just sold out immediately. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it became a big, big deal, and we had to yeah. have it off site. Uh, so it's and there's everything in between there.
1: Um, yeah, I guess I guess if we need Donald Trump to start insulting us, and then we'll be set. Well,
0: yeah, that, that, that <laughs> he does, he does, he does help sell a few books. Yeah. Uh, the other thing we try and do, we have a lot of, we have three annual literary conferences: uh, one on children's literature, one on mysteries, one on travel writing. That draws you know, a lot of writers and a lot of uh, potential writers um and publicists and all that and we get a yeah, chance yeah. to talk with them then we have classes and everything else so it's there's just a constant flow of of people in various stages of their writing career right. yeah, walking yeah. to the store and that's what makes the book business fun i right. mean if we were selling widgets or something we would uh, we would have been bored years ago but the right. idea of its <laughs> authors walking through and talking about serious you know serious stuff and and, and serious writing makes it really interesting
1: It's cool because, I mean, for me with Literary Deathmatch, like Andrew Sean Greer just won the Pulitzer Prize, and he did the show like eight years ago. He did it five years ago. So it's amazing to see these people kind of, I don't want to say graduate. We have the same
0: experience with him. He his early, one of his he was one of our early first edition picks uh lovely oh, wow. thing that we send out to people when his first book came out we had him for an event you know either drew a modest crowd but now all of a sudden we've watched him grow into a, into a uh, into a major talent and yeah. uh, it's just wonderful to keep those kinds of contacts going with authors over the years and we've had that had that experience with several people so i i uh, hope to keep it going too is there any is there any author
1: that you've never had that you're like we got to have him or her. Like I got, someday we're going to reel them in. Oh,
0: God, let me think. I, you know, I, right off hand, there's no author, author, I mean what person who made their name in the literary literary field that jumps to mind
1: that, right.
0: uh, is out there and this is untouchable. Uh, there are people who've made their, yeah you know, made their name in other fields who are writing books that we certainly would love to, to talk to at some point. And, uh, we, you know, if they if they write a book through a major publisher, where our team is, is pretty pretty uh, pretty tough at going after, yeah, 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 to, yeah, to try and sense. get them get them booked. And we we will do we'll go all out to get the get a big name. Uh, yeah, yeah. And there's uh, uh, not anybody I'm really longing for right now that uh, I think is totally, you know, un- unaccessible.
1: Right. Yeah. Cool.
0: But there's you. Oh, I yeah, know. I mean,
1: that's that. I'm the white whale. I'm the new white whale. We're gonna when I get off
0: the off the the, the conversation, here, we're gonna talk about that. Yeah, um, because you. I think that uh, your book is good, and I just love your your your, your death march idea. It's uh, needs to be promoted more. Actually, it's funny you you act.
1: It's death match, but you did say death march, and I just want to tell the oh, stuff. sorry, yeah, right? <laughs> no, no. It, people say it sometimes, and I'm like, no. But in this case, well, I, I noticed
0: have... on the on the literature, you got the death crossed out. It's literally right. sort of <laughs> death march, but yeah.
1: Well, sorry about
0: that. <laughs> I
1: once got an email from somebody who uh, it was like a six thousand word email. I copied and pasted it into Microsoft Word to check, and it basically was a guy who was who was screaming at me that I had called the event literally death march, and did I know what the death marches were, and what a horrible person I was. Oh, and I Lord. I sent it to a friend, and I was like, what do I say to this person? And he's like, oh, light into him, like he's crazy. You yell at him, and all I ended up writing back was, Dave, it's match, not march and it, <laughs> and that was it and, and he never wrote back and i thought that was the funniest thing that like oh that's funny yeah, fun. <laughs> yeah. literary well, okay. death
0: match okay i'm gonna yeah. remember that i won't i won't get it wrong
1: next. no time. no gonna, worries
0: I, it sounds like i'm not the first person
1: no that. no it's happened before I, I usually i think it's funny it just triggers me being able to tell that story which is my favorite part yeah. uh but with your book like what's the what's What's the difference between you as a writer now and the, your first novel? Let's go with that. Circle of Thirteen was in 2013, and now, like, what do
0: you feel well, like? Yeah, I, I, I think I've learned from from, you know, from one book to the next. But I, um, I guess, I guess, I, I guess, uh, this book is 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 set in a much more tight setting. It basically mm. takes place in two or three weeks. The first book took place over a period of. Uh, you know, several years, and I think it's easier to kind of distill it down to a uh, to a short tale uh, within a within a, a, a short time frame. I don't know that, I, that the books are all that much different. I, I what I've learned, what I learned, the technique I learned in in the, in the first book, I pretty well carried over to the second one, which is to have uh, uh, different narrators. Uh, when the first book, it was three different narrators and three different narrators here, each one talking about a, a part of the story. But in each case, you were definitely in the head of that narrator. There was no ambiguity about whose story it was at that point. But I felt like I, uh, I had to be able to weave them all to all the three, you know, narrative, narrative voices together. And, you know, I, I guess I, I learned a, a few things in, in writing the book. I, I you know, I'm, considerably older than you and I, what I've learned over the years is you get fiction writing is one of the few things you should get better at as you get older right, because yeah. you have more life experience you have more more events to draw upon more little quirks of nature characters you've known little lines that all of a sudden you know that you want to repeat in some or different kind of context so um, I, I think it's a wonderful a, a wonderful way for someone to um, express themselves even though they've had another career at earlier points of lo- in their life they can uh, create a new world. I mean yeah. you 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 have that experience I'm sure which you you're creating a world and you're, you're naming the characters you're creating them and if you don't like them you kill them off or you <laughs> eliminate them. I've had characters. Invite themselves into the story, you know, they sort of walk on characters. And after about a couple of weeks, uh, I, I, I could almost hear their voice in my ear saying, Bill, I need a better role. <laughs> <laughs> you need you need to give me more prominence because right. what I'm saying here is important. And, you know, and they're usually right. And it sounds when you tell that to another person who isn't a writer, they think you're stark raving mad. <laughs> but every writer I've talked to has said, yeah, yes, I've had that kind of experience where yeah, yeah. things kind of go in that direction. And different writers do it a totally different way. Some of the writers I respect the best are ones who sit down and say, I don't know where I'm going when I start this book. I just sit down in front of the page. I know I'm going to write it. And I, yeah, but a, you have know, an idea, but the, the story flows from there. On the other hand, I know a lot of writers sit down and say, "Oh my God, I got got to get my outline done." Then I redo my outline. And I'm constantly revising it, uh, and I know exactly where I'm going in the story. And I don't know. They both, all of them, write good books. I mean, my technique, I think, is somewhere in between that. I, I don't, I can't do one or the other. You leave that much to an extreme, but uh, I don't know how you approach it but it sounds like if you worked on that book for 13 years you you re-outline and re-outline and rethought and reworked it and God it. I
1: wish. I wish the reality is is I started that book and it was my first novel and I was in my mind I'm like I'm a genius anything I type or feel it's just going <laughs> to pour out amazingly and because of that it, it was basically a book that took me 9 months to write and you know well, 10, 12 years to fix. It was like,
0: well, but no, that's what I mean. I I think that you're fixing is you probably fix it a lot and going back in. The, yeah, I mean, the, I, if you had, you may have had the experience I had, which is, I would say the first couple of chapters of my book were revised maybe 10 or 20 times more than the last part of the book. Right. You, yeah. You, it's, it, because every time you make it do something later in the book, you think, oh, my God, I got to go back to page 25 <laughs> and change that. <laughs> that line there because otherwise this won't work now and you're constantly revising the front of it i, well, I, 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 I what if people you know, say how many times did you revise it i say you know constantly i know i've lost yeah. count Every time yeah, yeah. i pick it up i picked it up now i'd want to revise it you know you, yeah. you, you just constantly want to tinker with it
1: yeah it's a for me i i got into the film world a little bit and doing screenplays and that definitely like locked me in to the value of a of an outline. And with the the new book I'm writing, I, I outlined it really hardcore and it outlined all 54 chapters basically, as soon as I could like get to them. And, and I always thought that there was this idea that like, Oh, I'm not going to be creative. I'm not going to be interesting, but you know, if I, if I outline, it's going to ruin the flow and the excitement. Um, and what I realized is some days I just don't want to write, but I'm, it's time to sit down and write and what'll happen in those days is I just want to veer off to whatever is interesting to me to sort of wake me up and make Uh me and an outline makes me go no that's gonna take you an extra three months so do you just want (laughs) to stick to this outline instead and and now I'm like oh yeah 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 like trudge through it and then (laughs) once I start the trudge it starts to open up and then I'm having fun again and I'm loving you know just the writing but it is a really interesting process like how that and there's a billion different ways to do it. Oh God,
0: no two writers do it the same way. Yeah,
1: it's crazy. Uh, that, but... That's
0: one thing I've learned after listening to a lot of writers over the years. They yeah. all have a different uh, different approach to it. And it's that's because it's completely creative. It's not, uh, yeah. you know, you're not doing it in a logical fashion. You're you're creating something like a, it's it's sort of like a, a jazz musician. You know, you know improvising on a theme. It never comes out the same way twice. Yeah. Uh, and that's true. That's true of novels, and that's why people love them.
1: Does it blow you away that you have published a book? Because for me, it, I'm 43 now, and it was my lifelong dream to be a published novelist. Now it's happened, and the first thing that I had no, and I did, didn't anticipate this at all, but people read the book. I I always wanted <laughs> to get published and for people to buy it and to care and to support me, and that I've gotten, I've been very lucky in that. Like. You know, yeah. people are sending me snapshots with the book and everything. But then I'm getting texts days later where they're like, oh, man, like, this is great and this and that. And like, I love this chapter and this sentence. And I'm like, oh, wow. I, I was I didn't even realize how horrified I was when I knew somebody would read it. <laughs> and luckily people. Uh, like you know, it, yeah, like, you, I,
0: yeah. I, I, I have had that experience. I, I think that, you know, writing a book is a lot of fun. Yeah. If you, if you really get into it, it's great fun. The part between finishing the book and actually a reader sitting down and reading, in other words, all the process of publication and publicity and all that stuff, is kind of excruciating because yeah. it's uh, it's tedious and it's you know and it's embarrassing. It's it's all kinds of things. But yeah. when somebody actually picks it up and somebody, particularly somebody you respect, but particularly another writer yeah. picks it up and reads it and likes it. And as a nice thing to say, you think, you are know, you just beaming all day long because that's what you've done. You've, you've communicated, you've, uh, you've, 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 you've legitimized yourself in your own mind that you are yeah. now a writer, just like the rest of them. It's, and it's magic. A wonderful feeling.
1: Yeah. It's, feeling. it's cool. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I guess we've hit our thirty-two minute mark. We did it. We did it. <laughs> Not a lull in the bunch. Um, first take, total brilliance. I'm just kidding, but uh, right. no, no, yeah. no,
0: no. Absolutely. We'll. Uh, this is a. Con- we have to keep this conversation going. Uh, yeah, sure. you know, offline or, or or whatever. Whatever we do. Yeah. Um, I'm Bill yeah. Petruccelli, the author of Through the Bookstore Window.
1: I'm Adrian Tadsnigge, the author of Collision Theory. Do, if you do nothing else this week, buy both of our books. and There you uh, go. <laughs> sleep with them. Just put them next to you. Thanks uh, a lot. A yeah. Great talk to you, Bill. All
0: right, good day. Care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.